1: Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth, with you on a Thursday. Lot to get to here on the show. We'll have Sam Payne obviously later in the show. We'll talk Week Two of the preseason, and uh, we'll give you another college football capsules with uh, different conference outside the Power Five coming up. And we'll talk Smart Knoxville. Well, but right now, we go to the guest line, the Roman guest line, joined by our guy David Bearman of ESPN. Talk all things betting. and we'll get to the preseason. And, um, and some win totals as well. But, David, let's start with some some golf here. The BMW in progress. Um, who are you in on? And uh, are you looking out for a, a spot to take someone live? Give us your thoughts on the BMW as we, uh, we're in progress here in this tournament.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on, Joe, Joe, and Aaron. Uh, the, the, the BMW is always one of those interesting ones because it rotates courses every single year. Uh, 99.9% of this field has never played this course. Uh, Justin Thomas played it once in an amateur event about a decade ago, so I don't really give much credit there. So no one's really seen this course other than practice rounds this week. Um, and you're down to the top 70 who are battling for the top 30 to advance to Eastlake next week. Some of the people I'm on, I mentioned Justin Thomas, not because he played it a decade ago. Just because Justin Thomas is a playoff machine, the guy has about, 16 top 10 finishes and playoff events over the last 10 years. Um, Also played very, very well last weekend to wind up finishing about T12, T13 last week. So playing well, has a new driver, was kind of testing it out last week. I think he'll do this good this week on this course. What little we do know about this course is it's very long and it's a bombers type course with small fairways, thick rough, and then of course large greens. I think it fits Justin Thomas pretty well. Also eyeing one of my favorite golfers, Xander Shoffley, who faded last weekend, but again, another playoff machine. This guy does very, very well in the last two events of the year. He's someone I'm already targeting next week at the Tour Championship. He should do well this week. Uh, Tony Finau has been one of the hottest golfers on Tour and is a big hitter. Uh, And Nito Pereira, I think, is someone who, who could have a good week this week as a guy that's close to that top 30 and needs a good week to get in there. As far as monitoring live, uh, I know that's one of my favorite things to do as the weekend goes on to look for live players, and you shouldn't go any further than, than Willie Zalatoris, last week's winner. Willie has shown a penchant for not playing well on Thursdays, but then having great weekends. He did it again last week where he didn't have a very good Thursday, and was well off the lead, had three exceptionally great rounds Friday, Saturday, Sunday to win his first event last week. You don't know how long the victory, tours, the victory lap's going to be, so he may not be in good form today, depending on how his week went, but I do expect him to have a good weekend and and play well there, and it wouldn't surprise me for him to get another playoff win. Uh,
2: David, let's hit on some baseball, and uh, your Marlins, my goodness. What do you know? They get right back to three runs last night after finally breaking the streak, and they they score four runs. Now we're right back at three runs or less. We'll see if uh, that ends up being a trend so I want to get your thoughts on the Marlins. Do we jump back on that, even though the other day they scored four? Uh, do we go back on the team total unders? And uh, Sandy, you know, it's interesting because we still have plenty of baseball remaining. War does not say that Sandy is by far the best pitcher in the National League, but the odds tell us a different story. Uh, BetMGM, they have him as the minus 714 favorite. Uh, do you think somebody else can jump in there and take the side?
0: I think it's going to be Sandy, and and over the last uh, couple of years, we've seen a move for the voters towards ignoring how good the team is and really focusing on the the dominance of the pitcher. Now, Sandy should have a much better record, but there's only so many wins you can have, and your team is averaging two-and-a-half wins over the last six weeks. We talked about the offense and how I've been pounding the team total under. I mean, this is a team that has not scored more than four runs since mid-July like let that sink in for a second. I know I've been doing the three and under thing, which has been 17 of 18 and somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 of the last 30 or 26 out of the last 31 games, they've scored three or under. And I mean, let's call it what it is. They're often stinks. And yes, they scored 40 the other day. That shouldn't exactly scare you off considering they got four with two solo home runs and an error by the third baseman for the chart for the Padres led to two more runs. So it's not like they're hitting the crap out of the ball. And Sandy has been the victim of that where, Yeah, he won a game 3-0 the other day, but he's also lost games 3-0 and 2-1 and 1-0. He's pretty much what Jacob deGrom has been over the last decade for the Mets in terms of an awesome pitcher who's going to give you seven or eight innings, but for whatever reason, the Mets couldn't score for him. But the difference here is the Mets were not scoring just for him when they were scoring for other players, other pitchers, whereas the Marlins are just not scoring, period. So to answer your first question, yes, I am still on the team total under – Right now, the books are totally focusing that under uh, number on the opposing pitcher. Last night, Cleveland was pitching for the Padres, so the number was two and a half in some books and three in the other. And lo and behold, the Marlins scored three runs with three one-run innings, which is really what they're doing. What the Marlins are not doing at any point in time over the last six weeks is not putting together innings. They might get a solo home run. They may get a double followed by an error. They may have two guys walk followed by a single. But the team is scoring one run an inning, three or four times a game, that's just not going to get it done. And that hurts Sandy in ways where he is right now the odds-on favorite to win the Cy Young, and my projection is he is going to win the Cy Young because he's been that dominant this year, even in spite of his team not giving him run support. David a lot going on this week we actually have some football tonight a riveting matchup between the Bears and the Seahawks we saw overs go 14 and 3 in week one Um, the total tonight is 40 curious if you have any plays for tonight's game I wouldn't blame you if you don't but uh, just how you're playing this second week of preseason I historically stay away from the first week of the preseason like I did last week, and obviously if I was on the overtrain, we all would be cash money and living on a beach somewhere. Um, it, it actually was surprising to see the overs do that well when you consider who didn't play in week one. As far as tonight's game, I mean, throughout the record books from the Seahawks and Bears neat in the preseason, um, you're not even getting, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks quarterbacks out with COVID. So you really don't know what you're going to get. And I think the big thing if you're betting the preseason – is to look at, you know, I would personally wait to see when the rosters are announced and the starting lambs are announced. For instance, last week, obviously, I'm monitoring the Miami Dolphins closely, and about an hour before game time, I find out that the entire roster wasn't playing that night. So, had I been playing the Dolphins, which I didn't play last week, I would have picked the under, and lo and behold, the score was about 25-24, and you would have lost that one. So, you got to lean towards the overs because of what's happening. But when I look at the rosters and the starting lineups, nothing about them tells me that these games are going to go over which may be a double-edged sword because you look at it where it's not just we're all focusing on the offensive players who are out, the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. Well, when half the defense is out, like was the case last week with a lot of the teams, well, there's nobody to stop the backups on offense. So I'm staying away tonight. I might hop in this weekend if I find a couple of games where I think there's an edge with who's playing. But these are not games that I'm going to jump on early in the week. I am doing the opposite of what I do in the regular season when I jump on lines Monday and Tuesday the preseason, I'm going to wait and see who's playing. because you know, It's hard to make a bet we you know who's playing.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. Happy Price. Go to your Happy Price, Priceline. David, let's talk about the NFL regular season. We're three weeks away from opening night. Rams at the Bills, or excuse me, Bills at the Rams. Opening night three weeks from today. Any team uh, futures or awards you're on? Let's talk some futures here. Give us a, a player or two you're looking at. Maybe it's kind of come to you this summer. Maybe you put it in already that you're looking at. Whether teams or awards, you're eyeing up
0: sure. There are three win totals I've already taken. i um, not going to be surprised to know that I love the Chicago Bears under six and a half. I still haven't figured out why that line is six and a half. I bet it last year and won it. I bet it the year before and won it. And the number is still too high. Uh, all due respect to Justin Fields, who might have a lot of talent that we're not going to see because his offensive line is absolutely garbage. And his, his weapons are just not there. I mean, you're going to throw the ball at Mooney so many times. So I think the Bears are going to struggle. I looked at their schedule. It's not the hardest schedule in the world, but I just don't see seven wins on that schedule. I do see six winnable games. They'd have to go six and zero in all of those, which they're not going to do. Uh, so I like the Bears under six and a half. It's moved a little bit, but I got it a few weeks ago. Uh, I like. It's going to surprise some people. I do like the Kansas City Chiefs under ten and a half. Uh, their schedule is the hardest in football. They lost Tyreek Hill. I think they're going to be fine. They'll probably still win the division and and compete in the AFC playoffs because you do have Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But that is a very tough schedule when you're facing the toughest division in football twice. You're facing the entire NFC West, which is probably the second best division of football. Then you've got your first place, other first place teams in the AFC, like the Bengals, the Bills, and the Titans. And that extra 17th game, oh, by the way, is Tom Brady and the Bucks. So that's a very tough schedule. So I see them going under. Uh, one little kind of long shot that I'm going to play this this year is, is, is the Las Vegas Raiders. I think their win total at 9.5 is about right, but they're plus 6 to 650 to win the AFC West. And yes, I do not think they're going to win the AFC West, but I'm playing the same philosophy I played last year at this time when I saw the Arizona Cardinals at plus 650 and Seattle slash the Rams at about even money thinking that gap was way too big. If you look at the really, really challenging AFC West, the Chiefs are plus 130 and the Raiders are plus 650. And that gap is not $5. So whereas I don't necessarily think the Raiders will win the division, I do think the Chiefs have a very hard schedule and that at plus 650, there's value there. And if they do, if they will go on and do win the division, 33-1 to 1 on Derek Carr is not the worst play in the world. And I put a little, little sprinkle on that as well. So, a little bit too much Raider love here, not a, not surprisingly, but I do think there's value yeah. because of how hard that division is.
2: You're not alone on that. And also, uh, an area you're not alone is uh, being a Dolphins fan. We tend to have a lot of Dolphins fans on this show, and many of them very positive going into the 2022 season. Uh, it's fascinating that across most sports books, that they view the Patriots and the Dolphins as the same. Win total eight and a half. They're just locked in as the second favorite, around plus 450, plus 500 to win the division. Are you as positive as some of the other Dolphins fans we've spoken to going into this season? And how do you handicap the AFC East?
0: Unfortunately, I am, and you could call that every single August. The Dolphins are probably, Dolphin fans are the most optimistic on the planet, and it's burned us for about 20 consecutive seasons, uh, but it is what it is. You have more weapons this year than you've had in the last 15 years. You have a quarterback that should be good, that hopefully will be good with a new head coach. Uh, we're, we're optimistic. We're excited. I think getting Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, and, and you know a second year out of Jalen Waddell, and, and you have the weapons with Mike Isecki at the tight end position, with, a, with a, a, a coach that did very, very well in San Francisco as an offensive mind, you're finally giving two of the weapons and the, and the coaching that he needs. I uh, am optimistic, and quite frankly, Joe, one of the bets I took uh, at, at, when I was in New Jersey, when I got the shot for a whole bunch of different books, is I saw one book actually had um, exact placement of the divisions. And if I look at the eight divisions, there's only one to me that sticks out as being what I feel Obvious, and it's Bills, Dolphins, Pats, Jets. Uh, so I did take that at about six to one to be the exact finish. I think the Dolphins are better than the Patriots. They also swept the Patriots last year. Uh, Tua is undefeated versus Mac Jones last year, three and one over the last four or last two seasons. I think they're a better team. The only thing that obviously worries you about the Patriots is they have Bill Belichick. But I can only take you so far with with the talent on that team. I think is not deep, and I don't think it's that good. And then we obviously have the Jets as the the worst team in the division. I don't think that's going to change. They might be better, but if I had to handicap, it I would put it at Bills, 11-12 wins, Dolphins, nine to ten wins, Patriots, six to eight wins, and and the Jets four to six wins. Is how I'm handicapping that division. David LeBron just became the highest paid player, agreeing to that two year, 97 million dollar extension. You were mentioning optimism. Are, are you going to be optimistic about the Lakers with this extension? And it appears that maybe they will try to get Kyrie now. I think the Lakers, I mean, it's hard to have a worse season than they had last year with the talent they have. And if Anthony um, Davis is, is is healthy and LeBron stays healthy, obviously both of them had issues last year. Um, I do think they would be better than they were last year. And you look at their win total at 45 and a half and I know it's fool's gold sometimes to look at these, these star laden teams and think they're automatically going to be good. You saw with the Lakers and the Nets last year failing to meet expectations. Um, But, but, you know, if I had to pick Lakers over under, I would pick over 45 and a half. Uh, They have the talent, especially if they go get Kyrie. So that would be my bet on them. Uh, I would be more optimistic than pessimistic, but we've been fooled before as we saw last year. And, Um, you know, LeBron is older, like, you know, I hope he's okay with that 90 something million dollars, but, um, it is a team that should be better than they were last year. And I do see them maybe not winning the title, but, but contending in some caliber.
1: David, less than a minute here. Uh, Durant is still on the Nets. What, what's your get, gut feeling on how that plays out? And is there an angle here? I mean, would you jump on one of these teams that might get him Celtic Sixers and, and try to hope for a better number, obviously, when he gets traded? there. What's your thought on the Durant situation in you know, a little less than a minute?
0: From my conversations with a bunch of bookmakers in the last few weeks, the, the those possibilities have been a little bit caked into those lines. So I think the Sixers' win total and odds are a little bit inflated because of the possibility of getting him. Same thing with the Lakers and Kyrie. I don't think Durant goes anywhere. The team has absolutely no incentive to get rid of him right now. He's under contract for the next three years. So I think that he stays put. At the end of the day, he has to make the choice whether he's going to play or not because I don't think the team has any incentive to trade him whatsoever.
1: Great stuff, David. We always appreciate you hopping on the show. We'll catch up soon. David Bearman, Deputy Editor, Sports Betting, ESPN on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for EDL for the comfort of privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BetQL now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash BetQL. Coming up on the other side, we'll go off the board right here on the BetQL Network.